0: On the veiling of virgins by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Having already undergone the trouble peculiar to my opinion, I will show in Latin also that it behoves our virgins to be veiled from the time that they have passed the turning point of their age that this observance is exacted by truth, on which no one can impose prescription, no spaces of times, no influence of persons, no privilege of regions. For these, for the most part, are the sources whence, from some ignorance or simplicity, custom finds its beginning, and then it is successionally confirmed into a usage, and thus is maintained in opposition to truth but our lord christ has surnamed himself truth not custom if christ is always and prior to all equally truth is a thing sempiternal and ancient let those therefore look to themselves to whom that is new which is intrinsically old it is not so much novelty as truth which convicts heresies whatever savours of opposition to truth this will be heresy even if it be an ancient custom on the other hand if any is ignorant of anything the ignorance proceeds from his own defect moreover whatever is matter of ignorance ought to have been as carefully inquired into as whatever is matter of acknowledgment received the rule of faith indeed is altogether one, alone, immovable, and irreformable, the rule to it of believing in one only God Omnipotent, the Creator of the universe, and His Son Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate, raised again on the third day from the dead, received in the heavens, sitting now at the right hand of the Father, destined to come to judge quick and dead through the resurrection of the flesh as well as of the Spirit." this law of faith being constant and other succeeding points of discipline and conversation admit the novelty of correction the grace of god to wit operating and advancing even to the end for what kind of supposition is it that while the devil is always operating and adding daily to the ingenuities of iniquity the work of god should either have ceased or else have desisted from advancing whereas the reason why the lord sent the paraclete was that since human mediocrity was unable to take in all things at once discipline should little by little be directed and ordained and carried on to perfection by that vicar of the lord the holy spirit still he said i have many things to say to you but ye are not yet able to bear them when that spirit of truth shall have come he will conduct you into all things and will report to you the supervening things but above withal he made a declaration concerning this his work What, then, is the paraclete's administrative office but this, the direction of discipline, the revelation of the scriptures, the reformation of the intellect, the advancement towards the better things? Nothing is without stages of growth. All things await their season. In short, the preacher says, a time for everything. Look how creation itself advances little by little to fructification. First comes the grain, and from the grain arises the shoot, and from the shoot struggles out the shrub. Thereafter, boughs and leaves gather strength, and the whole that we call a tree expands, then follows the swelling of the German, and from the German bursts the flower, and from the flower the fruit opens, that fruit itself, rude for a while and unshapely, little by little, keeping the straight course of its development, is trained to the mellowness of its flavor. So too, righteousness, for the God of righteousness and of creation is the same was first in a rudimentary state having a natural fear of god from that stage it advanced through the law and the prophets to infancy from that stage it passed through the gospel to the fervour of youth now through the paraclete it is settling into maturity he will be after christ the only one to be called and revered as master for he speaks not from himself but what is commanded by christ He is the only prelate because he alone succeeds Christ. They who have received him set truth before custom. They who have heard him prophesying even to the present time, not of old, bid virgins be wholly covered. But I will not, meantime, attribute this usage to truth, be it for a while custom, that to custom I may likewise oppose custom. Throughout Greece, and certain of its barbaric provinces, the majority of churches keep their virgins covered. There are places too beneath this African sky, where this practice obtains, lest any ascribe the custom to Greek or barbarian Gentilehood. But I have proposed, as models, those churches which were founded by apostles or apostolic men, and antecedently, I think, to certain founders who shall be nameless. Those churches, therefore, as well as others, have the self-same authority of custom to appeal to. In opposing phalanx they range times and teachers more than these later churches do. What shall we observe? What shall we choose? We cannot contemptuously reject a custom which we cannot condemn, inasmuch as it is not strange, since it is not among strangers that we find it, but among those to wit with whom we share the law of peace and the name of brotherhood. They and we have one faith, one God, the same Christ, the same hope, the same baptismal sacraments. Let me say it once for all, we are one church. Thus, whatever belongs to our brethren is ours. Only the body divides us. Still here, as generally happens in all cases of various practice, of doubt and of uncertainty, examination ought to have been made to see which of two so diverse customs were the more compatible with the discipline of God. And, of course, that ought to have been chosen, which keeps virgins veiled, as being known to God alone, who, besides that, glory must be sought from God, not from men, ought to blush even at their own privilege. You put a virgin to the blush more by praising than by blaming her, because the front of sin is more hard, learning shamelessness from and in sin itself. For that custom which belies virgins while it exhibits them would never have been approved by any except by some men who must have been similar in character to the virgins themselves such eyes will wish that a virgin be seen as has the virgin who shall wish to be seen the same kinds of eyes reciprocally crave after each other seeing and being seen belong to the self-same lust to blush if he sees a virgin is as much a mark of a chaste man as of a chaste virgin if seen by a man But not even between customs have those most chaste teachers chosen to examine. Still, until very recently among us, either custom was, with comparative indifference, admitted to communion. The matter had been left a choice for each virgin to veil herself or expose herself, as she might have chosen, just as she had equal liberty as to marrying, which itself withal is neither enforced nor prohibited truth had been content to make an agreement with custom in order that under the name of custom it might enjoy itself even partially but when the power of discerning began to advance so that the license granted to either fashion was becoming the mean whereby the indication of the better part emerged immediately the great adversary of good things and much more of good institutions set to his own work the virgins of men go about in opposition to the virgins of god with front quite bare, excited to a rash audacity, and the semblance of virgins is exhibited by women who have the power of asking somewhat from husbands, not to say such a request as that forsooth their rivals, all the more free in that they are the handmaids of Christ alone, may be surrendered to them. We are scandalized, they say, because others walk otherwise than we do, and they prefer being scandalized to being provoked to modesty. A scandal, if I mistake not, is an example not of a good thing, but of a bad, tending to sinful edification. Good things scandalize none but an evil mind. If modesty, if bashfulness, if contempt of glory, anxious to please God alone, are good things, let women who are scandalized by such good learn to acknowledge their own evil for what if the incontinent withal say they are scandalized by the continent is continence to be recalled and for fear the multinubists be scandalized is monogamy to be rejected why may not these latter rather complain that the petulance the impudence of ostentatious virginity is a scandal to them are therefore chaste virgins to be for the sake of these marketable creatures dragged into the church blushing at being recognized in public quaking at being unveiled as if they had been invited as it were to rape for they are no less unwilling to suffer even this every public exposure of an honourable virgin is to her a suffering of rape and yet the suffering of carnal violence is the less evil because it comes of natural office but when the very spirit itself is violated in a virgin by the abstraction of her covering She has learnt to lose what she used to keep. O sacrilegious hands, which have had the hardihood to drag off a dress dedicated to God! What worse could any persecutor have done, if he had known that this garb had been chosen by a virgin? You have denuded a maiden in regard of her head, and forthwith she wholly ceases to be a virgin to herself. She has undergone a change. Arise, therefore, truth! Arise, and, as it were, burst forth from thy patience. No custom do I wish thee to defend, for by this time even that custom under which thou didst enjoy thy own liberty is being stormed. Demonstrate that it is thyself who art the coverer of virgins. Interpret in person thine own scriptures, which custom understandeth not, for if she had, she would never have had an existence." But in so far as it is the custom to argue even from the Scriptures in opposition to truth, there is immediately urged against us the fact that no mention of virgins is made by the Apostle, where he is prescribing about the veil, but that women only are named, whereas if he had willed virgins as well to be covered, he would have pronounced concerning virgins also together with the women named, just as says our opponent. In that passage, where he is treating of marriage, he declares likewise... With regard to virgins, what observance is to be followed. And accordingly it is urged that they are not comprised in the law of veiling the head, as not being named in this law, nay rather that this is the origin of their being unveiled, inasmuch as they who are not named are not bidden. But we withal retort the self same line of argument. For he who knew elsewhere how to make mention of each sex, of virgin I mean, and woman, that is, not virgin, for distinctions' sake, in these passages, in which he does not name a virgin, points out, by not making the distinction, community of condition. Otherwise, he could here also have marked the difference between virgin and woman, just as elsewhere he says, divided is the woman and the virgin therefore those whom by passing them over in silence he has not divided he has included in the other species nor yet because in that case divided is both woman and virgin will this division exert its patronizing influence in the present case as well as some will have it for how many sayings uttered on another occasion have no weight in cases to wit where they are not uttered, unless the subject matter be the same as on the other occasion, so that the one utterance may suffice. But the former case of virgin and woman is widely divided from the present question. Divided, he says, is the woman and the virgin. Why? Inasmuch as the unmarried, that is the virgin, is anxious about those things which are the Lord's, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but the married, that is, the not-virgin, is anxious how she may please her husband. This will be the interpretation of that division, having no place in this passage now under consideration, in which pronouncement is made neither about marriage, nor about the mind and the thought of woman and of virgin, but about the veiling of the head, of which veiling the Holy Spirit, willing that there should be no distinction, willed that by the one name of woman should likewise be understood the virgin, whom by not specially naming he has not separated from the woman and by not separating has conjoined to her from whom he has not separated her it is now then a novelty to use the primary word and nevertheless to have the other subordinate divisions understood in that word in cases where there is no necessity for individually distinguishing the various parts of the universal whole naturally a compendious style of speech is both pleasing and necessary inasmuch as diffuse speech is both tiresome and vain so too we are content with general words which comprehend in themselves the understanding of the specialties proceed we then to the word itself the word expressing the natural distinction is female of the natural word the general word is woman of the general, again, the special is virgin, or wife, or widow, or whatever other names, even of the successive stages of life, are added hereto. Subject, therefore, the special is to the general, because the general is prior, and the succeedent to the antecedent, and the partial to the universal. Each is implied in the word itself to which it is subject, and is signified in it, because contained in it. Thus neither hand nor foot, nor any one of the members, requires to be signified when the body is named. And if you say the universe, therein will be both the heaven and the things that are in it, sun and moon and constellations and stars, and the earth and the seas and everything that goes to make up the list of elements. You will have named all, when you have named that which is made up of all. So too, by naming woman, he has named whatever is woman's. But since they use the name of woman in such a way as to think it inapplicable, save to her alone who has known a man, the pertinence of the propriety of this word to the sex itself, not to a grade of the sex, must be proved by us, that virgins as well as others may be commonly comprised in it. When this kind of second human being was made by God for man's assistance, that female was forthwith named woman, still happy still worthy of paradise still virgin she shall be called said adam woman and accordingly you have the name i say not already common to a virgin but proper to her a name which from the beginning was allotted to a virgin but some ingeniously will have it that it was said of the future she shall be called woman as if she were destined to be so when she had resigned her virginity since he added withal, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and be conglutinated to his own woman, and the two shall be one flesh. Let them, therefore, among whom that subtlety obtains, show us first, if she were surnamed woman, with a future reference, what name she meantime received. For without a name expressive of her present quality she cannot have been." but what kind of hypothesis is it that one who with an eye to the future was called by a definite name at the present time should have nothing for a surname on all animals adam imposed names and on none on the ground of future condition but on the ground of the present purpose which each particular nature served called as each nature was by that to which from the beginning it showed a propensity What then was she at that time called? Why, as often as she is named in the scripture, she has the appellation woman before she was wedded, and never virgin while she was a virgin. This name was at that time the only one she had, and that when nothing was as yet said prophetically. For when the scripture records that the two were naked, Adam and his woman, neither does this savour of the future, as if it said his woman as a presage of wife, but because his woman was withal unwedded as being formed from his own substance this bone he says out of my bones and flesh out of my flesh shall be called woman hence then it is from the tacit consciousness of nature that the ordinary divinity of the soul has adduced into the ordinary usage of common speech unawares to men just as it has thus adduced many other things too which we shall elsewhere be able to show to derive from the scriptures the origin of their doing and saying our fashion of calling our wives our women however improperly withal we may in some instances speak for the greeks too who use the name of woman more than we do in the sense of wife have other names appropriate to wife but i prefer to assign this usage as a testimony to scripture For when two are made into one flesh, through the marriage tie, the flesh of flesh and bone of bones is called the woman of him whose substance she begins to be accounted by being made his wife. Thus woman is not by nature a name of wife, but wife by condition is a name of woman. In fine, womanhood is predicable apart from wifehood. But wifehood apart from womanhood is not, because it cannot even exist. Having therefore settled the name of the newly made female, which name is woman, and having explained what she formerly was, that is, having sealed the name to her, he immediately turned to the prophetic reason, so as to say, on this account shall a man leave father and mother. The name is so truly separate from the prophecy as far as the prophecy from the individual person herself, that of course it is not with reference to eve herself that adam has uttered the prophecy but with a view to those future females whom he has named in the maternal fount of the feminine race besides adam was not to leave father and mother whom he had not for the sake of eve therefore that which was prophetically said does not apply to eve because it does not to adam either for it was predicted with regard to the condition of husbands who were destined to leave their parents for a woman's sake, which could not chance to Eve, because it could not to Adam either. If the case is so, it is apparent that she was not surnamed Woman, on account of a future circumstance, to whom that future circumstance did not apply. To this is added that Adam himself published the reason of the name, for after saying, She shall be called Woman, he said, Inasmuch as she hath been taken out of man, the man himself withal being still a virgin. But we will speak too about the name of man in its own place. Accordingly, let none interpret with a prophetic reference a name which was deduced from another signification, especially since it is apparent when she did receive a name founded upon a future circumstance, there namely where she is surnamed Eve with a personal name now, because the natural one had gone before for if eve means the mother of the living behold she is surnamed from a future circumstance behold she is pre-announced to be a wife and not a virgin this will be the name of one who is about to wed for of the bride comes the mother thus in this case too it is shown that it was not from a future circumstance that she was at that time named woman who was shortly after to receive the name which would be proper to her future condition Sufficient answer has been made to this part of the question. Let us now see whether the Apostle withal observes the norm of this name in accordance with Genesis, attributing it to the sex, calling the Virgin Mary a woman, just as Genesis does Eve. For, writing to the Galatians, God, he says, sent his own son made of a woman, who of course is admitted to have been a virgin, albeit Hebian resist that doctrine i recognize too the angel gabriel as having been sent to a virgin but when he is blessing her it is among women not among virgins that he ranks her blessed be thou among women the angel withal knew that even a virgin is called a woman But to these two arguments again, there is one who appears to himself to have made an ingenious answer, to the effect that, inasmuch as Mary was betrothed, therefore it is that both by angel and apostle she is pronounced a woman, for a betrothed is in some sense a bride. Still, between in some sense and truth, there is difference enough, at all events in the present place, for elsewhere we grant, we must thus hold. Now, however, it is not as being already wedded that they have pronounced mary a woman but as being none the less a female even if she had not been espoused as having been called by this name from the beginning for that must necessarily have a prejudicating force from which the normal type has descended else as far as relates to the present passage if mary is here put on a level with a betrothed so that she is called a woman not on the ground of being a female but on the ground of being assigned to a husband, it immediately follows that Christ was not born of a virgin, because born of one betrothed, who by this fact will have ceased to be a virgin. Whereas, if he was born of a virgin, albeit with all betrothed, yet intact, acknowledge that even a virgin, even an intact one, is called a woman. Here, at all events, there can be no semblance of speaking prophetically, as if the apostle should have named a future woman, that is, bride, in saying, made of a woman. For he could not be naming a posterior woman, from whom Christ had not to be born, that is, one who had known a man, but she who is then present, who was a virgin, was withal called a woman in consequence of the propriety of this name, vindicated in accordance with the primordial norm as belonging to a virgin, and thus to the universal class of women." Turn we next to the examination of the reasons themselves which lead the Apostle to teach that the female ought to be veiled, to see whether the self same reasons apply to virgins likewise, so that hence also the community of the name between virgins and not virgins may be established, while the self same causes which necessitate the veil are found to exist in each case. If the man is head of the woman, of course he is, of the virgin too, from whom comes the woman who has married, unless the virgin is a third generic class, some monstrosity with a head of its own. If it is shameful for a woman to be shaven or shorn, of course it is so for a virgin. Hence let the world, the rival of God, see to it, if it asserts that close-cut hair is graceful to a virgin in like manner as that flowing hair is to a boy." to her then to whom it is equally unbecoming to be shaven or shorn it is equally becoming to be covered if the woman is the glory of the man how much more the virgin who is a glory withal to herself if the woman is of the man and for the sake of the man that rib of adam was first a virgin if the woman ought to have power upon the head all the more justly ought the virgin to whom pertains the essence of the cause assigned for this assertion for if it is on account of the angels, those to wit whom we read of as having fallen from God and heaven on account of concupiscence after females, who can presume that it was bodies already defiled, and relics of human lust, which such angels yearned after, so as not rather to have been inflamed for virgins, whose bloom pleads an excuse for human lust likewise. For thus does Scripture withal suggest... And it came to pass, it says, when men had begun to grow more numerous upon the earth, there were withal daughters born them. But the sons of God, having descried the daughters of men, that they were fair, took to themselves wives of all whom they elected. For here the Greek name of women does not seem to have the sense wives, inasmuch as mention is made of marriage. When then, it says, the daughters of men, it manifestly purports virgins, who would be still reckoned as belonging to their parents, for wedded women are called their husbands, whereas it could have said the wives of men, in like manner not naming the angels adulterers, but husbands, while they take unwedded daughters of men, who it has above said were born, thus also signifying their virginity. First born, but here wedded to angels. Anything else I know not that they were, except born and subsequently wedded. So perilous a face then ought to be shaded, which has cast stumbling stones even so far as heaven. That when standing in the presence of God, at whose bar it stands accused of the driving of the angels from their native confines, it may blush before the other angels as well, and may repress that former evil liberty of its head, a liberty now to be exhibited not even before human eyes but even if they were females already contaminated whom those angels had desired so much the more on account of the angels would it have been the duty of virgins to be veiled as it would have been the more possible for virgins to have been the cause of the angels sinning If, moreover, the Apostle further adds the prejudgment of nature, that redundancy of locks is an honour to a woman, because hair serves for a covering, of course it is most of all to a virgin that this is a distinction, for their very adornment properly consists in this, that by being massed together upon the crown, it wholly covers the very citadel of the head, with an encirclement of hair. The contraries, at all events, of all these considerations, affect... That a man is not to cover his head, to wit, because he has not by nature been gifted with excess of hair, because to be shaven or shorn is not shameful to him, because it was not on his account that the angels transgressed, because his head is Christ. Accordingly, since the Apostle is treating of man and woman why the latter ought to be veiled but the former not it is apparent why he has been silent as to the virgin allowing to wit the virgin to be understood in the woman by the selfsame reason by which he forbore to name the boy as implied in the man embracing the whole order of either sex in the names proper to each of woman and man so likewise adam while still intact is surnamed in genesis man She shall be called, says he, woman, because she hath been taken from her own man. Thus was Adam a man before nuptial intercourse, in like manner as Eve a woman. On either side the apostle has made his sentence apply with sufficient plainness to the universal species of each sex, and briefly and fully, with so well appointed a definition, he says, every woman... What is every, but of every class, of every order, of every condition, of every dignity, of every age? If, as is the case, every means total and entire, and in none of its parts defective. But the virgin is withal a part of the woman. Equally, too, with regard to not veiling the man, he says every. Behold two diverse names, man and woman every one in each case, two laws mutually distinctive, on the one hand a law of veiling, on the other a law of bearing. Therefore, if the fact that it is said every man makes it plain that the name of man is common even to him who is not yet a man, a stripling male, If, moreover, since the name is common according to nature, the law of not veiling him, who among men is a virgin, is common, too, according to discipline, why is it that it is not consequently prejudged that woman being named, every woman virgin, is similarly comprised in the fellowship of the name, so as to be comprised, too, in the community of the law? If a virgin is not a woman, neither is a stripling a man." If the virgin is not covered on the plea that she is not a woman, let the stripling be covered on the plea that he is not a man. Let identity of virginity share a quality of indulgence. As virgins are not compelled to be veiled, so let boys not be bidden to be unveiled. Why do we partly acknowledge the definition of the Apostle? as absolute with regard to every man without entering upon distinctions as to why he has not withal, named the boy but partly prevaricate though it is equally absolute with regard to every woman if any he says is contentious we have not such a custom nor has the church of god he shows that there has been some contention about this point for the extinction whereof he uses the whole compendiousness of language not naming the virgin, on the one hand, in order to show that there is to be no doubt about her veiling, and on the other hand, naming every woman, whereas he would have named the virgin had the question been confined to her. So too did the Corinthians themselves understand him. In fact, at this day, the Corinthians do veil their virgins. What the apostles taught, their disciples approve let us now see whether as we have shown the arguments drawn from nature and the matter itself to be applicable to the virgin as well as to other females so likewise the precepts of ecclesiastical discipline concerning women have an eye to the virgin it is not permitted to a woman to speak in the church but neither is it permitted her to teach nor to baptize nor to offer nor to claim to herself a lot in any manly function nor to say in any sacerdotal office, let us inquire whether any of these be lawful to a virgin. If it is not lawful to a virgin, but she is subjected on the selfsame terms as the woman, and the necessity for humility is assigned her together with the woman, whence will this one thing be lawful to her, which is not lawful to any and every female?' if any is a virgin and has proposed to sanctify her flesh what prerogative does she thereby earn adverse to her own condition is the reason why it is granted her to dispense with the veil that she may be notable and marked as she enters the church that she may display the honour of sanctity in the liberty of her head more worthy distinction could have been conferred on her by according her some prerogative of manly rank or office i know plainly that in a certain place a virgin of less than twenty years of age has been placed in the order of widows whereas if the bishop had been bound to accord her any relief he might of course have done it in some other way without detriment to the respect due to discipline that such a miracle not to say monster should not be pointed at in the church a virgin widow the more portentous indeed that not even as a widow did she veil her head, denying herself either way, both as virgin, in that she is counted a widow, and as widow, in that she is styled a virgin. But the authority which licenses her sitting in that seat uncovered is the same which allows her to sit there as a virgin, a seat to which, besides the sixty years, not merely single-husbanded women, that is, married women, are at length elected, but mothers to boot, yes, and educators of children, in order forsooth that their experimental training in all the affections may, on the one hand, have rendered them capable of readily aiding all others with counsel and comfort, and that, on the other, they may none the less have travelled down the whole course of probation whereby a female can be tested. So true is it that, on the ground of her position, nothing in the way of public honour is permitted to a virgin." nor similarly is it permitted on the ground of any distinctions whatever otherwise it were sufficiently discourteous that while females subjected as they are throughout to men bear in their front an honourable mark of their virginity whereby they may be looked up to and gazed at on all sides and magnified by the brethren so many men virgins so many voluntary eunuchs should carry their glory in secret carrying no token to make them too illustrious for they too will be bound to claim some distinctions for themselves, either the feathers of the Garamantes, or else the fillets of the Barbarians, or else the cicadas of the Athenians, or else the curls of the Germans, or else the tattoo-marks of the Britons, or else let the opposite course be taken, and let them lurk in the churches with head veiled. Sure we are that the Holy Spirit could rather have made some such concession to males if he made it to females, forasmuch as, besides the authority of sex, it would have been more becoming that males should have been honoured on the ground of continency itself likewise. The more their sex is eager and warm towards females, so much the more toil does the continence of this great ardour involve, and therefore the worthier is it of all ostentation, if ostentation of virginity is dignity. For is not continence withal superior to virginity, whether it be the continence of the widowed, or of those who by consent have already renounced the common disgrace which matrimony involves. For constancy of virginity is maintained by grace, of continence by virtue. For great is the struggle to overcome concupiscence, when you have become accustomed to such concupiscence, whereas a concupiscence, the enjoyment whereof you have never known, you will subdue easily, not having an adversary in the shape of the concupiscence of enjoyment. How, then, would God have failed to make any such concession to men more than to women, whether on the ground of nearer intimacy as being his own image, or on the ground of harder toil? But if nothing has been thus conceded to the male, much more to the female. But what we intermitted above for the sake of the subsequent discussion, not to dissipate its coherence, we will now discharge by an answer, for when we joined issue about the apostle's absolute definition that every woman must be understood as meaning woman of even every age it must be replied by the opposite side that in that case it behoved the virgin to be veiled from her nativity and from the first entry of her age upon the roll of time but it is not so but from the time when she begins to be self-conscious and to awake to the sense of her own nature and to emerge from the virgin's sense and to experience that novel sensation which belongs to the succeeding age for withal the founders of the race adam and eve so long as they were without intelligence went naked but after they tasted of the tree of recognition they were first sensible of nothing more than of their cause for shame thus they each marked their intelligence of their own sex by a covering but even if it is on account of the angels that she is to be veiled doubtless the age from which the law of the veil will come into operation will be that from which the daughters of men were able to invite concupiscence of their persons and to experience marriage for a virgin ceases to be a virgin from the time that it becomes possible for her not to be one and accordingly among israel it is unlawful to deliver one to a husband except after the attestation by blood of her maturity Thus, before this indication, the nature is unripe. Therefore, if she is a virgin so long as she is unripe, she ceases to be a virgin when she is perceived to be ripe, and, as not virgin, is now subject to the law, just as she is to marriage. And the betrothed, indeed, have the example of Rebecca, who, when she was being conducted, herself still unknown, to an unknown betrothed, as soon as she learned that he whom she had sighted from afar was the man, awaited not the grasp of the hand, nor the meeting of the kiss, nor the interchange of salutation, but confessing what she had felt, namely that she had been already wedded in spirit, denied herself to be a virgin by then and there, veiling herself. O woman already belonging to Christ's discipline! for she showed that marriage likewise as fornication is is transacted by gaze and mind only that a rebecca likewise some do still veil with regard to the rest however that is those who are not betrothed let the procrastination of their parents arising from straitened means or scrupulosity look to them let the vow of continence itself look to them in no respect does such procrastination pertain to an age which is already running its own assigned course, and paying its own dues to maturity. Another secret mother, Nature, and another hidden father, Time, have wedded their daughter to their own laws. Behold, that virgin daughter of yours already wedded, her soul by expectancy, her flesh by transformation, for whom you are preparing a second husband. Already her voice is changed, her limbs fully formed, her shame everywhere clothing itself, the months paying their tributes, And do you deny her to be a woman whom you assert to be undergoing womanly experiences? If the contact of a man makes a woman, let there be no covering except after actual experience of marriage. Nay, but even among the heathens the betrothed are led veiled to the husband. But if it is at betrothal that they are veiled, because then, both in body and in spirit, they have mingled with a male, through the kiss and the right hands, through which means they first in spirit unsealed their modesty, through the common pledge of conscience, whereby they mutually plighted their whole confusion. How much more will time veil them, time without which espoused they cannot be, and by whose urgency without espousals they cease to be virgins. Time even the heathens observe, that in obedience to the law of nature they may render their own rights to the different ages, for their females they dispatch to their businesses from the age of twelve years, but the male from two years later, decreeing puberty to consist in years, not in espousals or nuptials. Housewife one is called, albeit a virgin, and housefather, albeit a stripling. By us not even nature laws are observed, as if the God of nature were some other than ours. Recognize the woman I recognise the wedded woman by the testimonies both of body and of spirit, which she experiences both in concupiscence and in flesh. These are the earlier tablets of natural espousals and nuptials. Impose a veil externally upon her who has already a covering internally. Let her whose lower parts are not bare have her upper likewise covered. Would you know what is the authority which age carries?' Set before yourself each of these two, one prematurely compressed in woman's garb, and one who, though advanced in maturity, persists in virginity with its appropriate garb. The former will more easily be denied to be a woman than the latter believed a virgin. Such is, then, the honesty of age, that there is no overpowering it even by garb. What of the fact that these virgins of ours confess their change of age even by their garb? and as soon as they have understood themselves to be women withdraw themselves from virgins laying aside beginning with the head itself their former selves dye their hair and fasten their hair with more wanton pin professing manifest womanhood with their hair parted from the front The next thing is, they consult the looking-glass to aid their beauty, and thin down their over-exacting face with washing, perhaps with all vamp it up with cosmetics, toss their mantle about them with an air, fit tightly the multi-form shoe, carry down more ample appliances to the baths. Why should I pursue particulars? But their manifest appliances alone exhibit their perfect womanhood yet they wish to play the virgin by the sole fact of leaving their head bare denying by one single feature what they profess by their entire deportment if on account of men they adopt a false garb let them carry out that garb fully even for that end and as they veil their head in presence of heathens let them at all events in the church conceal their virginity which they do outside the church they fear strangers let them stand in awe of the brethren too or else let them have the consistent hardihood to appear as virgins in the streets as well, as they have the hardihood to do in the churches. I will praise their vigour if they succeed in selling aught of virginity among the heathens withal. Identity of nature abroad as at home, identity of custom in the presence of men as of the Lord, consists in identity of liberty to what purpose then do they thrust their glory out of sight abroad but expose it in the church i demand a reason is it to please the brethren or god himself if god himself he is as capable of beholding whatever is done in secret as he is just to remunerate what is done for his sole honour in fine he enjoins us not to trumpet forth any one of those things which will merit reward in his sight nor get compensation for them from men but if we are prohibited from letting our left hand know when we bestow the gift of a single halfpenny or any eleemosynary bounty whatever how deep should be the darkness in which we ought to enshroud ourselves when we are offering god so great an oblation of our very body and our very spirit when we are consecrating to him our very nature it follows therefore that what cannot appear to be done for god's sake because god wills not that it be done in such a way is done for the sake of men, a thing, of course, primarily unlawful as betraying a lust of glory. For glory is a thing unlawful to those whose probation consists in humiliation of every kind. And if it is by God that the virtue of continence is conferred, why gloriest thou as if thou have not received? If, however, you have not received it, what hast thou which has not been given thee? But by this very fact it is plain that it has not been given you by God, that it is not to God alone that you offer it. Let us see then whether what is human be firm and true. They report a saying uttered at one time by someone when first this question was mooted, and how shall we invite the other virgins to similar conduct? forsooth it is their numbers that will make us happy and not the grace of god and the merits of each individual is it virgins who adorn or commend the church in the sight of god or the church which adorns or commends virgins our objector has therefore confessed that glory lies at the root of the matter well where glory is there is solicitation where solicitation their compulsion where compulsion their necessity where necessity their infirmity Deservedly, therefore, while they do not cover their head, in order that they may be solicited for the sake of glory, they are forced to cover their bellies by the ruin resulting from infirmity. For it is emulation, not religion, which impels them. Sometimes it is that God, their belly, himself, because the brotherhood readily undertakes the maintenance of virgins. But Moreover, it is not merely that they are ruined, but they draw after them a long rope of sins, for after being brought forth into the midst of the church, and elated by the public appropriation of their property, and laden by the brethren with every honour and charitable bounty, so long as they do not fall, when any sin has been committed, they meditate a deed as disgraceful as the honour was high which they had. It is this. If an uncovered head is a recognized mark of virginity, then if any virgin falls from the grace of virginity, she remains permanently with head uncovered for fear of discovery, and walks about in a garb, which then indeed is another's. Conscious of a now undoubted womanhood, they have the audacity to draw near to God with head bare. But the jealous God and Lord, who has said nothing covered which shall not be revealed brings such in general before the public gaze for confess they will not unless betrayed by the cries of their infants themselves but in so far as they are more numerous will you not just have them suspected of the more crimes i will say albeit i would rather not it is a difficult thing for one to turn woman once for all who fears to do so AND WHO WHEN ALREADY SO TURNED IN SECRET HAS THE POWER OF STILL FALSELY PRETENDING TO BE A VIRGIN UNDER THE EYE OF GOD. WHAT AUDACITIES AGAIN WILL SUCH an ONE VENTURE ON WITH REGARD TO HER WOMB FOR FEAR OF BEING DETECTED IN BEING A MOTHER AS WELL. GOD KNOWS HOW MANY INFANTS HE HAS HELPED TO PERFECTION AND THROUGH GESTATION TILL THEY WERE BORN SOUND AND WHOLE AFTER BEING LONG FOUGHT AGAINST BY THEIR MOTHERS. SUCH VIRGINS EVER CONCEIVE WITH THE readiest FACULTY and have the happiest deliveries and children indeed most like to their fathers these crimes does a forced and unwilling virginity incur the very concupiscence of non concealment is not modest it experiences somewhat which is no mark of a virgin the study of pleasing of course i and of pleasing men Let her strive as much as you please with an honest mind. She must necessarily be imperiled by the public exhibition of herself, while she is penetrated by the gaze of untrustworthy and multitudinous eyes, while she is tickled by pointing fingers, while she feels a warmth creep over her amid assiduous embraces and kisses. Thus the forehead hardens, thus the sense of shame wears away, thus it relaxes, thus is learned the desire of pleasing in another way nay but true and absolute and pure virginity fears nothing more than itself even female eyes it shrinks from encountering other eyes itself has it betakes itself for refuge to the veil of the head as to a helmet as to a shield to protect its glory against the blows of temptations against the darts of scandals against suspicions and whispers and emulation against envy also itself For there is something even among the heathens to be apprehended, which they call fascination, the too unhappy result of excessive praise and glory. This we sometimes interpretively ascribe to the devil, for of him comes hatred of good. Sometimes we attribute it to God, for of him comes judgment upon haughtiness, exalting as he does the humble and depressing the elated. The more holy virgin accordingly will fear, even under the name of fascination, On the one hand the adversary on the other god the envious disposition of the former the sensorial light of the latter and will joy in being known to herself alone and to god but even if she has been recognized by any other she is wise to have blocked up the pathway against temptations for who will have the audacity to intrude with his eyes upon a shrouded face a face without feeling a face so to say morose Any evil cogitation whatsoever will be broken by the very severity. She who conceals her virginity by that fact denies even her womanhood. Herein consists the defense of our opinion in accordance with Scripture, in accordance with nature, in accordance with discipline. Scripture founds the law, nature joins to attest it, discipline exacts it. Which of these three does a custom founded on mere opinion appear in behalf of, or what is the color of the opposite view? god's is scripture god's is nature god's is discipline whatever is contrary to these is not god's if scripture is uncertain nature is manifest and concerning nature's testimony scripture cannot be uncertain if there is a doubt about nature discipline points out what is more sanctioned by god for nothing is to him dearer than humility nothing more acceptable than modesty nothing more offensive than glory and the study of men-pleasing Let that, accordingly, be to you scripture and nature and discipline, which you shall find to have been sanctioned by God, just as you are bidden to examine all things, and diligently follow whatever is better. It remains likewise that we turn to the virgins themselves, to induce them to accept these suggestions the more willingly. I pray you, be you mother, or sister, or virgin daughter, let me address you according to the names proper to your years. Veil your head. If a mother, for your son's sakes, if a sister for your brethren's sakes, if a daughter for your father's sakes. All ages are perilled in your person. Put on the panoply of modesty. Surround yourself with the stockade of bashfulness. Rear a rampart for your sex, which must neither allow your own eyes egress nor ingress to other people's. Wear the full garb of woman to preserve the standing of virgin. Belie somewhat of your inward consciousness in order to exhibit the truth to God alone. And yet, you do not belie yourself in appearing as a bride, for wedded you are to Christ. To him you have surrendered your flesh. To him you have espoused your maturity. Walk in accordance with the will of your espoused. Christ is he who bids the espoused and wives of others veil themselves, and of course, much more his own. But we admonish you too, women of the second degree of modesty. Who have fallen into wedlock not to outgrow so far the discipline of the veil, not even in a moment of an hour, as, because you cannot refuse it, to take some other means to nullify it by going neither covered nor bare. For some, with their turbans and woollen bands, do not veil their head, but bind it up, protected indeed in front, but, but where the head properly lies, bare others are to a certain extent covered over the region of the brain with linen coifs of small dimensions i suppose for fear of pressing the head and not reaching quite to the ears if they are so weak in their hearing as not to be able to hear through a covering i pity them let them know that the whole head constitutes the woman its limits and boundaries reach as far as the place where the robe begins. The region of the veil is co-extensive with the space covered by the hair when unbound, in order that the necks too may be encircled. For it is they which must be subjected for the sake of which power ought to be had on the head. The veil is their yoke. Arabia's heathen females will be your judges, who cover not only the head, but the face also. So entirely, that they are content with one eye free to enjoy rather half the light than to prostitute the entire face a female would rather see than be seen and for this reason a certain roman queen said that they were most unhappy in that they could more easily fall in love than be fallen in love with whereas they are rather happy in their immunity from that second and indeed more frequent infelicity that females are more apt to be fallen in love with than to fall in love. And the modesty of heathen discipline, indeed, is more simple and, so to say, more barbaric. To us the Lord has, even by revelations, measured the space for the veil to extend over. For a certain sister of ours was thus addressed by an angel, beating her neck as if in applause elegant neck and deservedly bare it is well for thee to unveil thyself from the neck right down to the loins lest with all this freedom of thy neck profit thee not and of course what you have said to one you have said to all but how severe a chastisement will they likewise deserve who amid the recital of the psalms and at any mention of the name of god continue uncovered who even when about to spend time in prayer itself with the utmost readiness place a fringe or a tuft or any thread whatever on the crown of their heads and suppose themselves to be covered of so small extent do they falsely imagine their head to be others who think the palm of their hand plainly greater than any fringe or thread misuse their head no less like a certain creature more beast than bird albeit winged with small head, long legs, and moreover of erect carriage. She, they say, when she has to hide, thrusts away into a thicket her head alone, plainly the whole of it, though leaving all the rest of herself exposed. Thus, while she is secure in head, but bare in her larger parts, she is taken wholly, head and all. Such will be their plight withal, covered as they are less than is useful." It is incumbent then at all times and in every place to walk mindful of the law, prepared and equipped in readiness to meet every mention of God, who, if he be in the heart, will be recognized as well in the head of females, to such as these exhortations with goodwill, to such as prefer utility to custom, may peace and grace from our Lord Jesus Christ redound, as likewise to Septimus Tertullianus, whose tractate this is. End of On the Veiling of Virgins by Tertullian.